Ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? It's showtime, folks! Do I have everybody's attention now? We are the nation! Give me a hell yeah! Yes! What? Yes! What? Power in the inmate! Embrace the vision. We want the smoke! Everybody's got a price! With the benefit of those with flash photography. With a tear in my eye! The cream of the crop! Hey, yo! You just made the list! I am the man! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wrestle Nation Pro Wrestling Talk for people who talk pro wrestling. This is the official podcast of Nation Extreme Wrestling, talking about all the happenings in the newest pro wrestling organization in the Pacific Northwest, as well as breaking down the world of WWE, NXT, AEW, and more. Whether it's then, now, or new, we're here to break it down. My name is Jay Bowman, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Wyatt Arndt, the stanchion. Wyatt, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I was all prepared to give you the uh, Goodwill hunting speech. Well, every, the best part of my day is when I show up to the podcast and you're not here. Uh, but I forgot it. So, yeah. <laughs> so, stay tuned for episode three where Wyatt's going to use his intro to break my soul. Glad I'm going to do you, it now. No, no, yeah. no, I'm going to do it next time. <laughs> Glad to know you're doing the same as you always are. We are also joined, as always, by Mr. Mike Paris. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm good. You know what, Bowman? When I log on to Skype and you're not there, that, that's what I. That's the day I know you got out of this tan. We gotta do a better job. We don't know what we're saying. This is the worst. Next week we're gonna nail it. Paris right, had a lot was... more of that Goodwill Hunting ready than I was prepared for, and I wasn't prepared for any of it. Okay, a huge, <laughs> massive thank you to everyone who listened and downloaded our debut episode. Seemingly, we went full Santino Milan miracle by getting plucked out of the crowd and debuting at number one. Uh, your guys' thoughts on, you know, that uh, that weird, strange, very surprising feat. Look, I have a, a lot of computers and a lot of devices. I made sure we got to number one. Um, I did my no. I, it was very awesome to see. Obviously, uh, it was as organic as it gets, and just have people tuning in and enjoying it. And uh, I try not to be too sincere, but that was a really awesome to see everyone kind of tune in. Yeah, it, you know, we're we're not uh, well. You guys especially aren't the, the new kids on the block necessarily here, but uh, in the podcast wrestling world, it's uh, nice to see, and it's nice to see we have the backing of NEW and uh, the support of Rob Fay, etc. Yeah, no, it was great to see. So once again, thanks so much. Don't worry, if we're following the Santino arc, we will surely be in our lower mid-card comedy gimmick soon enough. But thanks you, thank you to everybody for the mega push out of the gate. Let's get down to it. We've got some big news in NEW to get to first. All right, so the biggest news in NEW is they have announced a date for the first 
show. Paris, is there something about that date that rings extra special for you? You know, I hmm, that date, I feel like it has some significance to the world, but I can't remember. Uh, otherwise, it's my birthday. September 11th, September 2021, 11th. NEW will be doing its first show. Wyatt, are you excited? Super excited. Uh, there's some details that uh, I'm aware of. I can't. I can't let it out of the bag. I got. I got a whole other one. Sorry, guys. But uh, this is supposed be... to be an insider show. <laughs> okay, it's gonna involve wrestling. Uh, it's gonna be <laughs> okay. That's too much. That's too much. That's too much. Too much. I'm Dial sorry. it back. Rob Fake, you know, he had a baseball bat at my door. I promise, I wouldn't tell anyone. So, but it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's obviously. Uh, AW's kind of first foray and kind of showing the world what they got. So I think, uh, you know, you know, we're just a podcast. We're doing our best. But AW's got big plans. And I think uh, hopefully everyone's going to be pleasantly surprised what's going down. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it as well. It's going to be absolutely awesome. I'm seeing, you know, people on Twitter, Lauren, talking about coming over from the island to watch it from Victoria. Hopefully it's going to be an amazing show. We will have uh, some folks from NEW on soon enough in the coming weeks to talk about it, which we're also really excited about. One thing I do want to mention also that has happened since we did episode one is uh, this was, I guess, manifested, put out into the universe, and then it happened. Fergie is part of NEW. It was all me. I I, I have uh, made this happen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I made the request. I submitted my request to the head honchos, and things are happening. So I believe Bishop was at it too, though, right? Right, Bo- or uh, Wyatt? So, so here's uh, the thing. Yeah, like you got Fergie, and I, I was a Fergie guy, but you took him from me. So I had to go after Bish. And here's the thing. Bishop and Fergie got some unsettled business. Bishop was in a tag team with Fergie. He left him for Sid Silem. There, there's some, you know, some tension there. So I thought, what better way than for me to throw my weight behind Bishop? Uh, I don't think he wants me behind him, but it's going to happen anyway. So he's probably annoyed with me. Doesn't want me to be part of it, but I'm going to be part of it. We're coming for you, Fergie and Mike. Okay, oh, wow. so, you, so you guys have manifested <laughs> your people into NEW. I feel the need that I have to do it as well. So you know what? I'm going to say it right now. Uh, Brian Danielson. Come on down. Looking forward to seeing Brian Danielson mix it up in NEW, potentially. We'll see if we go three for three on the show, because you guys have done a great job so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's probably some dude named Brian Danielson who lives in White Rock. He'll come down. (laughs) 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 And you sure he knows? Yeah, this guy works at my gym. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But super excited about Bishop, super excited about Fergie, and just the entire roster. Honestly, I cannot wait for the first show uh, just to see what goes down. Like, I'm so happy wrestling's back, boys. I feel, I feel like a name that we uh, haven't uh, mentioned is is uh, recently released the Bollywood Boys, and I actually uh, uh, had a my kid's soccer practice the other day, and who was there? One of the Bollywood Boys. So maybe I uh, with his kid. So maybe I can have a little conversation since we're at soccer practice together, and I can get him on the show, and then we can get him into NEW. It'll be a whole thing. Yeah, why you have a pretty good history with the Bollywood boys from your time involved in ECCW, right? Oh yeah, they're yeah they're one of the few people on the roster at the time who actually taught Canucks. They're huge Canucks fans. Uh, if I bring up hockey to Nicole Matthews or Tony Baroni, uh, they just look at me and go sports. And so talking to the B boys about the Canucks was awesome. Uh, and again. For me, you took me to my first ECW show, Bowman, and they were on the card. And I remember going there, and everyone was chanting Butter Chicken, which was like, am I allowed to chant this? But no, the boys were like, yeah, do it. They have shirts on it. And it was, like, really awesome. They're hugely over. We'll see what happens. Who knows? They've got the 90 to compete plots. They, like, they can go to the moon. They were on Jericho's podcast recently. Who knows what they're going to do? But if we even get a bit of them involved, that would be awesome, because they really did cut their teeth in this territory, and they still have a ton of fans to this day. And they're super nice guys. I 
helped design a t-shirt for them, by the way. One of the t-shirts oh. I helped design for them. So was maybe I've got more of an Indian mic. No, no. That one I saw. I was like, oh, LP's <laughs> done a Canuck shirt. They've done a Canuck shirt. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have I have the soccer connection. Haven't said a word to this guy, but... Uh... <laughs> you shared knowing glasses, Girth. though. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was like, nod. And then our kids Wear both, an NEW uh... shirt and just like point to the shirt and like nod. <laughs> Raise your eyebrows. Like throw it at him. Uh, <laughs> throw the shirt in his face. Yeah. <laughs> then he goes full Mike Tyson WrestleMania 14 and just holds it up rather than putting it on. Remember that <laughs> shit? Yeah. The Austin Austin gives him a shirt, and I guess Mike Tyson's super new to the world of professional wrestling. If you are wanting to, you know, communicate your allegiance to a specific faction or a company or a movement, you put the shirt on. You don't just hold it up because he's holding it up as though people are like going to tell him yeah put it on and that's it he just holds it up and it's over I think in terms like we got to do a ranking one day of who was delivered the most awkward looking crotch chop because it felt like he had to really think that one through and how he delivered (laughs) his crotch chops like it was not natural it was very stiff I yeah, there's definitely some uh, some votes in there Uh, we're going to get to this in a second but uh, when we talk about this week in wrestling history uh I, that, <laughs> I don't know where to start, but what I'm thinking is we should have a conversation about celebrity, most awkward celebrities in wrestling. We definitely will. We will dedicate an entire segment to that because, heck, this is now the second week in a row. We're not going to spoil it just yet, but where this week in pro wrestling history involves a celebrity getting in the ring because we talked about Shaquille O'Neal uh, last week on the show, and this week, yeah, it's been... Uh, it's been interesting to revisit some of what we'll be talking about this week for sure. Any other NEW happenings or anything that's getting you guys excited heading into this uh, the first show? Uh, oh, sorry, I'm just jumping here. Anyways, uh, I think you know, I'm looking forward to just yeah seeing the everyone out there, and I want to see I want to see what Beef Boy is going to bring to the table. Beef Boy, he's listened to the podcast, said we did a good job. He's a you know real young up and comer. Uh, he's put on you know some muscle, so I'm going to raise the bar for everyone. He's jacked now. He's jacked to the tits, everyone. So look out for Beef Boy. Is that the bar so high? Beefier Boy. <laughs> yeah, he's like put on like two pounds. Go, like, oh, God damn it, Wyatt! What are you doing? The masterpiece <laughs> Elliot Tyler is going to be coming up. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great with the, the cake, beef lock. The whole game. He's got the beef lock on. Put oh, the hot dog be... down your throat. You got to try and survive. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We're writing this for them. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm excited. Like again. a. I saw Nicole Matthews uh, tweeting or maybe Instagramming about uh, about the date coming up, so I think it's safe to assume that she's going to be on the card. Um, I'm just excited to see all these people that have uh, I've been watching the um, Lionsgate Dojo Instagram stories and stuff like that, and just getting getting pumped through that because uh, these guys have not stopped working during the pandemic. They have not stopped uh, training their craft, and so I'm excited to see what they've come up with over the last year. Absolutely. We will be talking a lot more about Nation Extreme Wrestling in the coming weeks, having some guests on as we head towards that first show on September 11th. But for now, we're going to head to the Wide World of Wrestling segment. Okay, so probably the biggest news that's happened in the world of pro wrestling uh, in the time since we put out that first episode. We didn't get a chance to comment on it because it was a day or two after we recorded. But uh, Bray Wyatt was shockingly released from his WWE contract, which in a move that a lot of people still trying to wrap their heads around how that uh, how that happened and how that went down. Paris, what were your thoughts initially when you saw that Bray Wyatt had been released after all he's done? 
Yeah, it's one of those uh, surprised yet not surprised kind of situations. He had been uh, one of the more creative people over his time in in WWE, and I just don't think they had any more gas in that in that tank for him. Uh, he had they don't didn't know what to do with him. He didn't know what to do with himself. The fiend gimmick had kind of run its course, and they didn't know where to go with that. So I'm like I said, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. I wish they'd given him more opportunities to kind of really dive in deep. And I think he had the potential to be the next big supernatural threat, uh, a la The Undertaker. And they never really gave him that stretch. Yeah, he got the title as The Fiend uh, and then essentially lost it in a mild squash to Goldberg, which is still confounding to this day that they spent all that time building him up. He had his own custom title and everything, Um, you know, stunning to see where it's come because The Fiend gimmick, I was there in SummerSlam in Toronto uh, with Justin Morissette watching that first Fiend entrance when he beat Finn Balor and sent him off the roster for months and months and months. And that was special. That was something really exciting, really fresh, really new, and awesome to see. Yeah, I think with with Bray, it's when you get over on your own, I don't think WWE really likes it a lot. I think a lot of Bray went into his characters clearly. So he's putting himself, he's always found a way. And again, he always found a way to get himself over and reinvent himself. But that's also a character I don't think that Vince gets a lot. Like Undertaker's pretty kind of, you can kind of make the comparison, but Undertaker's very, he's a dead man. Very simple. Like he's a dead dude. They don't dive too much into his background. He doesn't, we don't know if he has a sister or a cousin. Bray, we know he's got that sister out, but he's got a family. Like, it's more deeper. And, like, him doing the whole thing, like, Cape Fear stuff. Like, all of his stuff was very kind of more complex. And I just feel like Vince, like, what is that shit, pal? He doesn't quite get it. Uh, and so if you're going to make cuts, yeah, I see him. Because, again, you're right. Like, what was the Haunted House match with Randy Orton? Like, one of the worst things we've ever seen. Like, this just... Anytime you got a bit of a push, it seems like it would just get flatlined. And the only thing that confuses me is in terms of merchandise, he still pushed a ton of merchandise. And I think that, in my head, that would have kept him around. But it's not like he's the only one getting cut right now. So if they're trying to make cuts here and there, like it's not too shocking that he was one of the guys to kind of let go to me. Yeah, well, I think we, we talked about it last week when we talked about the release of Braun Strowman. I think this is a financial thing. And I'm sure we'll discuss the further cuts that have happened more recently. But uh I bet Bray Wyatt made a pretty penny, and when they're looking at people that they can afford to lose from a storyline perspective and from a draw perspective, uh, he was the probably the right guy to cut. Who was it on Twitter? Was it Mickey James who said like they just gave the the, the gimmick to uh, Alexa Bliss? That's right. Yeah, Mickey James came out and said, "Yeah, here's on. a guy." They took his creativity, they took his vision, they took all of that, and they just gave it to Alexa Bliss and then released him. Which, yeah, I you know, not wrong. Well, it's perfect because, like, Bray Wyatt, if you want to make changes to her character and all this stuff, it's so part of him, he's going to push back. Alexa Bliss, you tell her to do a new character. Oh, sounds good. Like, she has no attachment to it. Like, it's a brilliant move in that sense, right? So, you know, very corporate (laughs) Vince move right there. Without question, yeah. I mean, where do you see Bray Wyatt landing? Obviously, as soon as anybody gets released, which is happening a lot with WWE, the initial thought is, okay... AEW is going to pick this person up. You don't think about ROH. You don't think potentially about New Japan. I know I had made a comment through the WrestleNation uh, Twitter page that uh, it would be nice to see what they do with him in AEW. Somebody else commented back that they don't necessarily see that as a good landing spot, preferably looking to see what Bray Wyatt would do in New Japan. Uh, Paris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think New Japan's the right the right fit. I think... Uh if he brings that kind of character and maybe not the fiend specifically, but that kind of character, new Japan is the right landing spot. And I think they would do the right things for him. Um, and I think the, he has the surrounding roster and talent, uh, in new Japan to 
embrace that kind of gimmick. Are there any specific um, feuds or any specific wrestlers you'd like to see him mix it up with in New Japan? Uh, I can't necessarily think of anyone specific. I just think that there's there's the right uh, people and there's the right uh, thought processes going through through their booking that are more suitable for that kind of gimmick. What about you, Wyatt? Yeah, I won't give a garbage corporate answer like Mike did there. Let me give you a real answer. Uh, <laughs> so Good shit, at... man. <laughs> I want to put it out there. Uh, you know, maybe NEW's got a bit of money. They want to bring from one show off. I need to see The Fiend, or whatever his new name is, The Mean Guy, uh, versus... <laughs> <laughs> the Red Meanie. Yeah, The Red Meanie, yeah. Uh, versus Ravenous Randy. I oh. want to see those two go down. That would be a dream matchup for me in terms of local guys kind of going head-to-head with very, uh, a lot of creativity behind their characters. I will say from a lot of the shows that I've seen over the last 10 years or so, those Ravenous Randy entrances were always a massive highlight and super special. So yeah, just those two going entrance v. entrance would be something that'd be awesome to see. They even have a match. They just have an entrance and they walk off. Yeah, they shake hands. <laughs> you know what? Let's just, let's think beyond. I know we're doing the cinematic matches and stuff now. What if we just did no matches at all? We just had like two entrances. This, it becomes yeah. more and more like a runway model show. Like Zoolander. A walk-off. It's, Zoolander. <laughs> it's a walk-off. <laughs> That's what we need to see. NEW, September 11th. We will talk to the bookers. Let's have someone in a walk-off match. I'm down. Oh, Randy would be the walk-off champion. You have a, hold separate title for it imagine yeah. that you don't have a heavyweight title you just have a walk-off championship uh that reminds me of uh uh elp and uh brian cage at uh, the commodore oh, and LP, lp lp does his uh entrance and then brian cage comes out grabs the microphone and says how am i supposed to compete with that he had chicks with grinders on their vaginas or something to that extent <laughs> he set the bar that night yeah <laughs> <laughs> That night, the first time I've ever seen somebody counter a blockbuster by just catching somebody in midair and then hitting them with a massive suplex. I still think about that spot regularly. That's one of my favorite match. That is my favorite match I've ever seen live. The crowd was so into it. That was one of the, like, oh my, I still, yeah. Every once in a while, I just sit back and think about it and I just get a smile gets in my face. Paris, on that note, what is a match that you've seen in the Pacific Northwest going to an independent show that really, really sticks out for you over the last several years? You can't see yourself versus Honky Talk Man. Yeah, that's, that, that doesn't count. <laughs> oh, it was, a, it was a sellout crowd of 10 <laughs> other students at the seminar standing around. One of them chanted, this is awesome. Yeah. The other one you didn't sell the guitar shot at all he got did, mad at you did not sell it at all <laughs> actually okay not to dwell on that too much but i actually got in trouble during that class for selling oh really yeah what he he, he okay so honky tonk man snapped <laughs> snap mirrored me over and then stomped on my hand he, like put my hand out and stomped on it and i sold it and then he's like we're not there yet don't do that I was like, okay i'm sorry my offense isn't believable enough don't sell it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only saw the guitar shot. That's all I've got. <laughs> oh my god! What did you say to that? I just was okay. I'm sorry. I was like an awkward, like 14 year old kid. I didn't know what to do. Anyway, you didn't go into business for yourself. <laughs> you start overselling everything. <laughs> no, what I want to see is he stops on Paris's hand, and Paris takes out a little razor and blades. <laughs> my hand is cut. He blades his forehead. It's like we're definitely not there yet. <laughs> Lights his hand on fire. <laughs> Uh, anyway, to answer your question, Mo, um, my mind goes back to, to LP and Kyle O'Reilly, because that was, uh, like, I've, I've maybe marked out harder at that moment when Kyle O'Reilly came out, more than I ever have at a wrestling event. 
Yeah. I want to say that what's unfortunate is I wish every show was the Commodore and nothing had Saberton back in the day, but there was a Kyle O'Reilly versus Tony Brony match that I wish had been on the big stage. Like he did a Saperton show, which again, awesome for Kyle O'Reilly to do a fucking Saperton match later down the line, but I wish I had seen those two in, uh, in the big stage. What was it about that particular match that really stood out for you? It's just because Brony can be a very, like, you know, dirty heel. He's Uncle Daddy right now. He's got the heel style, but uh, he kind of does kind of the comedic stuff, but he stepped up his game and kind of showed, like, a bit more of his old school technical side. And I think anytime you want to face Kyle Riley, you're going to kind of get drawn into the Kyle Riley style. So it was kind of fun to see him raise his game and match Kyle Riley on that level and just seeing, like, cute guys that know each other in the history and just seeing, like, someone, like, again, Kyle Riley paying it back to the Pacific Northwest was really awesome to see. So it was fun. Right on. Uh, other news out of WWE, uh, John Cena versus Roman Reigns, we all knew it was happening, is now official for SummerSlam. But whether or not SummerSlam actually happens in the way they want it to, that's been a topic of conversation over the last week with cases being on the rise for COVID in the U.S. and large gra- gatherings and large group activities being kind of under the microscope. There has been some rumblings of them potentially canceling it at Allegiant Stadium and doing the Thunderdome again. Uh, Paris, what's the first thing that comes mind when you start hearing about that um honestly it's the health and safety of the individuals involved that's the first thing that comes to my mind um apparently if florida was a country it would be 10th in the world in regards to covid cases so uh that is where a lot of these shows are housed and i realized that specifically SummerSlam is not but the fact that aew and wwe are going full-scale events uh in florida i find personally i find concerning and confusing uh but i think there is a way in a giant football stadium to still do this safely and i don't know if they can now take tickets back from people but still have an audience i'm not sure how that looks but uh you could definitely spread people out health in a healthy way. Yeah, I was potentially looking to go to that SummerSlam show in August, but the thing that happened that made me kind of go, ah, not interested, not even counting the fact that, you know, COVID cases being on the rise, issues with the border and traveling there, coming back, doing a bunch of tests. But for me, the big thing was when they were committed to making this the biggest show, a WrestleMania-level event. This is what we're going to bring in some guys. It's going to be awesome. And then they're building potentially towards, you know, uh, Lesnar, Lashley, maybe. You know they're reaching out to Lesnar. They want the big guy for that show. Lesnar, Lashley would have been awesome. But when they instead brought out Goldberg and that he was going to be the guy challenging uh, Lashley, not interested not interested at all. Seems like every show that I go to, SummerSlam or Survivor Series, Goldberg happens to be there because I was there when he faced Lesnar in 2016 and when he faced Ziggler at SummerSlam. So it was the card for me that was a big uh, issue with this. Ugh, you said 2016. Has this Goldberg crap been going on that long? <laughs> yes. Yes, Ugh. sir. Yes, sir. Okay. It has. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would be totally fine literally never seeing Goldberg ever again. <laughs> No offense, Goldberg. But uh, what I was going to say initially was that um, I don't understand in this COVID world how they've gone from zero to 60 in regards to fans. And for instance, like I was watching uh, SmackDown or something recently and they're, the wrestlers are coming down the ramp and they're high-fiving everybody and those <laughs> kind of things. It's like, why are we doing that? There are ways to have an audience and to have it safely and not do dumb shit like that. You get the bushwhackers coming out licking kids again. It's like, no, guys, you can't do that. Baby faces, they got to shake hands, guys. They got a code of conduct. They got to do it. Come on. 
I have a solution though. Like, if they do Thunderdome, <clears throat> one, I want to see Drew McIntyre be the king of Thunderdome. So no matter what happens, he's in every match and wins every single match. If they can't do Thunderdome, what was that segment? Was it with Raw Underground with Shane McMahon and the <gasps> Underground? Bring that back. <laughs> I had completely forgotten that Everyone Raw did. Underground ever happened until you mentioned it. That was the biggest, weirdest fucking thing for a lo- for several weeks. Shane McMahon outside that door with fucking almost or whatever, and then all these NXT guys, people you hadn't seen of, Marina Schaffer's in there kicking out. Like Bring it was it back. weird as hell. They really tried to make, uh, what was his name, Daba, Dabakatu? Dabakato! <laughs> yeah, they really tried to make him happen in Raw Underground. And is, I don't even know, is he still uh, is he still uh, Apollo Crews' uh, henchman? Oh, I don't... Stage? Oh, it's the same guy. I don't know. I Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw a picture of him squaring off with Drew McIntyre, and Drew McIntyre had his sword still in the ring. I'm like, that can't be allowed. Underground, Underground, he can bring in his sword. The best thing I remember about Underground was um, when they had the that was at the peak of the Hurt Business kicking ass, and there was that time where the Hurt Business just took over Raw Underground and beat everybody's asses. I miss the Hurt Business so much. Ruined Underground, (laughs) so stupid. That was the same time, if I do recall, that they had. That was when Retribution was the other big thing. They, I don't think they had been revealed or anything yet. They were still running around and breaking windows and throwing Molotov cocktails at um, at uh, controllers and stuff like that. And everybody was five foot seven. Yeah, it was a hell of a time. What a time to be alive! Retribution and Raw Underground. <laughs> T Bar Mace, etc. God, and I've been a Cedro was his name, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think it was Slapjack. We got Slapjack, (laughs) we've got Etcetera, we've got T Bar and Mace and Like really that's what killed that's what killed that gimmick for me. I was kind of into it when they were building up to it, and then I was into it when they revealed who the wrestlers were, and then they gave them all names, and I was like, What are you doing? These names are absurd. How did you feel about the masks though? I was kind of into it. I'm not gonna lie. I was kinda into that. I liked that. Uh, and I liked the wrestlers they chose, but like those wrestlers had, you could have called them just like Dominic and Madden and like, you could have just left them with their normal names and they still would have sounded pretty badass. I think serial names were fine. You know, Applejacks, Frosted Flakes, those were fine <laughs> names. They just got to let them win a couple of matches. That's all. Oh, he's hitting up with, he hit him with the cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> right? You got branding right there. It's a great name for a finisher. Yeah, yeah. I, I've loved Dijak since like Ring of Honor days. I, I think that guy's awesome. So I was psyched to see him be part of that group and part of that crew. But yeah, T-Bar, and then you go throwing the masks and stuff on him. I was into it when they made Ali the leader. I was like, okay, we could be doing something because Mustafa Ali's like fucking awesome. And then that just absolutely, it all went nowhere. So sad. The point is Underground is amazing and it can come back and make it work, okay? It's going to happen. NEW, you can take the gimmick. We can make it work. Yeah, NEW Underground. Brody's leading a group of people in Underground. (laughs) Travis Williams is in there in the ring. He's got a crowbar. It's going to be great. I think that sounds absolutely fantastic. So we'll move on to uh, NXT as it exists for now. Uh, Yeah, so dozen releases happening during SmackDown uh, the other day. Uh, Notable among them, Bobby Fish of the Undisputed Era, Mercedes Martinez, uh, former North American champions Bronson Reed and Leon Ruff, uh, Kona Reeves, and uh, some other folks that were released. Uh, Paris, what was your initial thoughts when you saw those releases come, come in on Friday? I had every assumption that Bronson Reed was their 
guy. Like, he seemed over. He seemed like they were pushing him. They seemed like he seemed like they liked him. Um, you know, he had a cool entrance. He had a lot going for him that uh, seemed to be working. So that was the shocker for me. The rest of these guys, um, I'm not too terribly surprised with. No offense. Uh, but Bronson Reed, I felt like might have been the next guy to, to send up to the main roster. And then he gets the, the hack. So. Yeah, I think in terms of NXT, like if you're going to make cuts, that's the place they're going to make them. That's Triple H's baby. Vince probably not too in tune with what's going on down there. So if they are, if like Nick Khan's coming in, it's Khan's coming in to like make all these changes and stuff. Like, yeah, you're going to cut money from the big guys we've seen. And also you're going to kind of clean house in NXT. And, you know, not that it was an extended war of uh, AEW versus NXT, but AEW pretty clearly won that. So I don't know how much they're going to want to put into like the old school developmental maybe they're just changing the idea of what their developmental is and making NXT way more like it was originally like developmental and not a competing brand yeah that seems to be a lot of the rumblings that are coming out of this situation are that they are taking I wouldn't necessarily a step back with NXT but they're not as interested in making it that third brand uh, a quote that had come out which you know might be substantiated or not was they don't want any more uh, midgets and nobody starting that are over 30. They want to go younger they want to go bigger and I guess use it sort of like they would have used OVW for back in the day when you had John Cena, Lesnar and Batista there. That's kind of where they're wanting to uh, to go with it it seems. Um, Paris with the potential change in NXT's format uh, what is, where does that put you? My mind instantly goes to what do you do with the guys that are there? The uh, perennial NXT guys, the Johnny Garganos, the Tommaso Ciampas. Do you keep them around to help get over this talent that you want to bring in? Or do you push them up to the main roster? Or these, sorry, these midgets and guys who are over 30 uh, that we're talking about here. Um, I assume that like people like Adam Cole will be going up. But other than that, I don't see anyone who is obvious to go to the quote-unquote main roster um so i i do wonder what the future holds for the the over 30 midgets that are already there i, I yep. hate using that word i'm gonna stop using that word it's the quote i didn't use it intentionally <laughs> it was the quote that was out there and i felt the need for journalistic integrity to share what was out there but yeah you're right what happens to you know Kushida? What happens to, yeah, Johnny Gargano and Champa? Remember when they had that uh, instance, I think it was a year or so ago, where they're like, yeah, we want fresh people on the show. So here's Gargano and Champa as a tag team on Raw when they're still feuding on NXT. Here's Aleister Black for some reason. Yeah, there you go. New fresh faces. Uh, why? You remember when they were just bringing in NXT people for cameos? Oh, that's, again, it feels like the very WWE. Like, again, remember when like they had the whole reset suite? Like the infamous old school day of the Agit era where Vince said like time has passed by we're going to be a new organization but they actually did do that fall through that but since then they've used that like eight different times and done shit all with it so it just felt very much like you said like a very and anytime they're in trouble what happens oh we're having a huge raw we're having some some old stars coming back to raw maybe Hulk Hogan will show up and it's like oh to what end are we like it's purely to draw tickets it's like bump the the rings a little bit but like when we talk about WV and people are like oh complain for the sake of playing we're not it's just there's it's it's always hard see what their game plan is, and which is why you talk about AEW, people can kind of see the storyline, can kind of see why they're doing it. You might not like the storylines, but you can see why they're doing it, whereas WV, it always feels like, like it's too obvious they're chasing the corporate dollar. So I understand it's a business, but that, you know, that nice blend of wrestling and dollars has been way too much in the dollar side for so long for me. Yeah, for, uh, WB. AEW, you could see the framework and the breadcrumbs for Adam Page, Kenny Omega for years now. 
You've seen them start to lay that out. Whereas WWE, it's so stop and start so often that you can't really get committed or get behind storylines or the wrestlers because things will shift and change on a dime as soon as Vince kind of just shrugs your shoulders and wants to start playing with a new toy. Uh, yeah, and uh, see, I just don't know what's going to happen to all this talent because honestly, I think that if these guys start to leave NXT, your instinct is to think that AEW would start picking them up, but then AEW is getting packed full of people that they honestly don't seem like they know what to do with. Um, so I, I do wonder what the, maybe there, there needs to be another show. Guys, let's start. Oh, wait, we have NEW. Let's make NEW underground. <laughs> <laughs> we have a new show. Wyatt, what do you think about the potential conspiracy theory people are talking about? There is two reasons for all these cuts. One is that Nick Khan and the other financial business folks in WWE are trying to get themselves as far in the out of the red as possible, either for a potential sale or not. A lot of rumblings happening around that. The other main theory going around is that Vince McMahon is intentionally doing this with some very expensive talent uh, in order to flood the market and financially hurt AEW because they can't be affording to bring all these guys on and also feature them in a way fans want to. I mean, on one hand, there's a lot of money behind AEW, so that's, uh, I don't think so. Billions! Like, yeah, Billions yeah, you're, of they're, dollars! They're fine! <laughs> they're fine. Um, but it's going to be Occam's razor here for me. Like, end of the day, I think the business one makes most sense. Like, this is almost like for Canucks fans out there when you sign like ownership to Jim Benning doing something super smart on something that looks really dumb. You're like, wow, no, Jim Benning's clearly playing 4D chess. I think the Vince thing there, that's a 4D chess move. People trying to be like, look how a genius. No, like it's business, right? Like you don't, why would Vince bring in Nick Khan to be a smokescreen for like this? It makes no sense. Like it's just, <laughs> nothing about that makes sense. So I think it's just business end of the day. All right, one person I want to talk about that obviously the wrestling world is chatting a lot about right now. Uh, much ado about Adam Cole, baby. He had the meeting with Vince on Friday uh, backstage at SmackDown. Apparently his contract expired in July, and he has a working arrangement to work through SummerSlam, and they are discussing a new contract with Adam Cole. If you were Adam Cole, uh, Mike Paris, where do you oh, go? I wish. Where do you, yeah, yeah, where do you go? First of all, to dinner with Britt Baker, you know, for a nice seafood <laughs> dinner. That's top of everybody's list for where you go. Where but I beyond go. that, with your wrestling career, with everything you've seen happen on the main roster, keep in mind, Adam Cole got a pretty decent push when the SmackDown roster was stranded due to the Vulcan. Remember that? Yep. Yeah, yep. he came in main roster, was pretty successful. NXT won that three-way Survivor Series that year. So he has had some success on the main roster. But if you're Adam Cole, do you trust it long-term with everything that's happened? That is incredibly hard to, to gauge. Um, I think I think ultimately you stay with, uh, with the big boys, stay with WWE, and theoretically get placed on the main roster. I think there is space for him but honestly i think that wwe won't let him go just from an optics perspective this is a guy who is your number one prospect and letting him go at this stage in his career is probably the worst thing that you can do and i think that from an adam cole perspective um aew is probably always going to be there for you there's always going to be that fallback plan so why not shoot your shot right now and try to make it uh, with what theoretically was your dream when you were a child and all those kind of things. 
Clearly, you flood the market. Vince lets him go. AW falls apart, signing him to a $30 billion deal. I can see where this is going. No. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> yeah. I think Adam Cole, like, I think clearly from like just like a friend level and creative level and all that stuff, AW makes the most sense because, yeah, like you're going to have more ownership of your character, get to do what you want. I think Paris brings up a really good point, though. Like, it's kind of like the Stanley Cup. Like, when you grow up as a kid, you dream of that being main event in WrestleMania. You dream of winning that title. And as much as WWE can maybe stray from the wrestling spirit and as much as AEW can get up there, end of the day, you know, I think a lot of these guys grew up loving WWE. And so if you think, you know, and if you believe in yourself, you know, I just want to get that one shot at getting, you know, main eventing WrestleMania, winning the title, that's a big draw. And if Vince, you know, whispers in your ears and says he's going to pay you, maybe you just throw it to the wayside. Because I think Mike's other point, like, I, I hate saying he's doing a good job, but he is. Uh, AW will always be there for him, right? Like, he, he has a safety net with that. Wyatt just wants to heal out. I hate yeah. giving credit God where it's it, due, but God damn it, he brings <laughs> up a good point. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, AEW. Two major happenings from this past week's Dynamite. Uh, Chris Jericho versus Juventud Guerrero in uh, the, the third labor of Jericho. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, on that match? I was super excited seeing uh, you know Juventud face Jericho on TNT uh, as someone who grew up like loved watching WCW back in the late '90s when these guys had an amazing feud. Paris, what did you think of that match? Yeah, I think it was uh, 20 years ago today or something that he lost the the title to to Juventud, uh, and this feud's still going, obviously. So. What, my favorite part of that match was the has to win by a move from the top rope stipulation part of it. And the fact that he hits him with a top rope Judas effect, which is, A, the Judas effect is maybe the dumbest finisher in all of professional <laughs> Thank you. wrestling. Thank you. But to throw it from the top rope, you know, uh, gives it a little edge. Um, so overall, I thought it was an interesting match. It was, a, I think, I think Hoovy still got it. And uh, Jericho, maybe not, but... Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! I know, right? Hot take. Um, well, he's just he's just moving a little slower than he used to. Did you to. see Let's when he spins the juice effect? How much momentum he gets out of that? <laughs> <laughs> Have you not seen the training promos where he's doing it to the heavy bag and stuff? <laughs> He's training that elbow. He's getting it ready. It's not just a standard back elbow, sir. There is torque behind that. Let me rewind and say that Jericho is on my Mount Rushmore. He is yeah. one of my guys. So this is no, I'm not hating on him at all. I just uh, think he's moving a bit slowly these days. <laughs> Which is true, but he keeps reinventing himself and staying relevant. The other totally. main angle that was on Dynamite uh, was Cody Rhodes' apparent fake retirement. Uh, so he loses to Malachi Black and then tearfully undoes his boots and is going to put his boots in the middle of the ring. Um, and then, you know, he gets kicked in the head again by Malachi Black. <laughs> and it looks like he's going to go off and film the, was it the big show or the whatever show on TNT for another Real. season? Real. Uh, but uh, yeah, so kind of writing him off for TV a bit. Uh, why, what are your thoughts on Cody Rhodes' obviously fake retirement? Yeah, I mean... Mark Henry did the greatest fake retirement of all time. So anytime you see someone else, I don't care. Can't be I top. think almost any, anytime you're going to fake retire, you owe it to Mark Henry to wear a salmon blazer. Yes, you owe it <laughs> just to pay homage to the guy who did it best. I've never, I've never been least interested, in, like less interested in a, in a segment, only to turn in to be fully into a segment than Mark Henry because he got me. Mom, I'm coming home, and then you fucking, I got plenty left in the tank. I love that. I love it. I love it. I can talk about it all day. I love that. <laughs> Screw Cody uh, Rhodes. Let's talk more candor. <laughs> Stay on topic. Uh, yeah, I don't... See, I don't know. I feel like with Cody Rhodes, I, 
I worried about this when AEW came into Inception, and I'm, I worry about it to this day. I feel like he's still trying to put himself over a lot of the time, and I think this is another thing of that. I think he thinks that when he comes back on an episode of Revenge or whatever the other show's called, <laughs> he's dark. It's going to be a big deal. Rampage, just yeah, <laughs> Rampage. That's what I was looking for. Uh, that he thinks he's going to be a big deal, and that's going to be the. And I don't necessarily think that people care about him the way that he thinks people care about him. And I think he's a genius. I think he's an excellent from a backstage perspective, and I think he's done amazing things with AEW. But um, at this stage in his career, maybe that should be his focus. But that's it's, just my opinion. It's always something with Cody Rhodes, right? He'll come back with the black hair and fight. Bro, remember that when he was written off for injury, came back with the black hair. Uh, yeah, I've I was a huge Cody Rhodes fan and have been for a long time. Uh, I think ever since the neck tattoo, I've just been losing more and more interest because that has to be that was it the Nightmare Family has to be one of the lamest stables in you know not wrestling history but in modern wrestling uh there's just i saw a report that oh four new people have joined the nightmare family okay <laughs> great uh the they're gun gonna be club replacing the qt marshall obviously but uh yeah because the nightmare family currently consists of yeah it's like cody rhodes uh dustin rhodes brandy rhodes uh the gun club so billy gunn and his sons which is hysterical uh and then now you got four more people coming in there etc roads i believe is part of that yeah yeah etc roads to do what etc roads so yeah uh well you brought up the black hair thing and i think that was the ultimate example of what i'm trying to say because he came out with the black hair didn't get the response he was looking for and then came back like a week later two weeks later and was like i can't do this you guys love me too much i'm your hero right i'm gonna be back to normal cody i can't be bad cody it was it was just himself putting himself over. Maybe maybe I'm reading into that wrong. Yeah, I think it's like I like the fact that he tries things. Some wrestlers get too caught up and don't try and change, and he's obviously not afraid to change. But that's why it's a weird kind of thin line between someone like him and someone like Jericho, where like they will be willing to ride it out and see if they can make it work. And not that he didn't with Stardust and that stuff, but like there is a level of like I don't know. Jericho was able to make these things work a bit better than Cody does, whereas Cody it feels a bit more forced. The thing I always liked about Cody Rhodes, and I love that you mentioned Stardust, is the fact that he always commits fully to the gimmicks. Because Stardust had almost a completely different move set and mannerisms than he did as dashing Cody Rhodes. I love the Doctor Doom inspired undashing Cody Rhodes gimmick. He brought back that classic um, uh, Intercontinental Title, which I will. He gets a pass for me forever for bringing that back because I love that belt so much. But that's, I think, speaks to, my God, you're doing good things today. Uh, It speaks to my (laughs) point. This is horrible. Um, That I think, like, Cody almost, like, is almost like, eh, eh, when he does that. Like, look at that different moveset. Eh, like, he wants that, and he thinks people are going to respect that, whereas Jericho doesn't give a shit if you don't respond to it. He's willing to eat it because he likes what he's doing. That's what I think the difference is for me. My favorite version of Cody Rhodes right now is uh, something goes wrong out front and he comes out with the headset on and then takes a bump. And like, he's just like the like producer guy who's like, this isn't how my TV show is supposed to go. And then like gets beat up for that. Like, I like that. I like that kind of as the authority figure kind of character, not the bad authority figure necessarily, but the authority figure that wants the show to go right and wants everything to work. And it's kind of breaking kayfabe a little bit. And I, 
I kind of like riding that line. And I think that's the best version of Cody Rhodes that Cody Rhodes could be pitching to us right now. Right on. Okay. Well, you know what? He's made a lot of good points on today's episode. Uh, so we're going to give many. him, we're going to give him the ball here. Uh, <laughs> Mike Paris's segment. Uh, let's get Barry Horowitz and his long trench coat out here. It's time for pusher Barry. All right, boys, are you ready to to push and this or bury? Pusher Barry, yep. Pusher Barry, what's he got for us? <laughs> Shake, <Barry. laughs> Shake those vials. What's he got? All right, I'm just going to throw out a couple names for you guys, and I want you to, to, to push or bury them. Dewdrop. I'm going to bury. <laughs> I didn't even explain. I just want to bury. <laughs> I'm also going to bury because I'm surprised with Dewdrop comes in you know association with eva marie who i still can't wrap my head around the yeah. fact that you're gonna let peyton royce go uh or any other exactly. like notable female talent who has been you know cast off in the last little bit and you're gonna bring eva marie back so based on her tangential uh pairing with eva marie i'm gonna bury dewdrop 100 and i like i like piper niven and yeah, yeah I, really against her I, it's her association yeah, and I feel like this is a, a like calling her Dewdrop and pairing her with Eva Marie feels like a big fat joke that I'm not here for. So. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly exactly everything about it feels very Vince like, and I don't like that. I'd rather yeah. not be her be associated with that at all. Yeah, you can clearly see Vince coming through your TV in some segments in uh, WWE, and those are the ones that really give everybody a bad taste in their mouth. Uh, almost push or bury almost. I don't go 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 first, Bowman. I got to think. I got. This is a good one. <laughs> I'm gonna push almost. Okay. I okay. love that guy. He's fucking huge. Him <laughs> pairing with AJ Styles and him standing. It looks Photoshop every single time. It looks like it's CGI'd or it's some sort of forced perspective situation. Uh, I love that pairing of him standing behind AJ Styles. Uh, yeah, I'm pushing almost for sure. Was it Money in the Bank where they did were against the War Raiders? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And it was pretty much just AJ Styles versus the War Raiders for 95% of the match. Which is fine. And then almost comes in. Which is fine. When he came in and they uh, beat up the New Day uh, back a couple months ago on pay-per-view, and he comes in, it was his first big match. All this guy needs to do, come in, be moderately athletic, hit a couple big moves, and then, boom, that's all he really needs to do. He needs to be a better great Kali for his entire gimmick and for that pairing to work. And I think they're nailing it yeah you know i do like the Shawn michaels diesel uh kind of level of it and like that i'm trying to get myself get caught up in that but i think i will push just because damn it I, you're right when he stands behind him i do like that idea but just don't don't wear the sunglasses that's diesel i don't ever see that happen but you know what i'm gonna push him kevin nash could go though kevin nash was a good wrestler the, for his entire career Did, have, you, have you heard bret hart talk about his championship <laughs> rate i don't think you have sir <laughs> Where was the money being made, sir? Where was the money being made? <laughs> Him and Mabel at SummerSlam. That's that's a that's a program. That's that's a program. I, I like Kevin Dash. Yeah, but like, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I I just don't know if he has the 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 chops in the ring. Yeah, to... that's why I'm. That's why that's my debate of like pusher berries. Like, I don't want him to just be a prop prop. I want him to have a bit of go to him. Uh, and no one will be Diesel, but yeah, I mean, Bret Hart's probably gonna, yeah. I, I love to Bret Hart talk about Triple H and anything to do with champions that weren't him. <laughs> he's not wrong most of the time. It's Bob Backlund's disgraceful reign when he beat me. <laughs> I love Bret. Uh, all right, Pusher Barry, Pat McAfee. I'm going to push. 
In what sense? In that I want him to win matches. <laughs> as a wrestler, so you're pushing you like him as Pat a wrestler. McAfee. Oh, 100% wrestler. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would. I would. I'm pushing him as a wrestler and as a commentator because he brings a breadth of excitement and enthusiasm to commentary mm. that hasn't been heard in a long time. This guy's been a lifelong wrestling fan, and he gets it, but he's also going to be his own man. Remember that story from years ago where he was, like, I think it was WrestleMania, where he was going to be sent home because he was wearing the LeBron uh, like suit with shorts? And then uh, Vince was going to send him home. Then I think Michael Cole stuck up for him. Or I could be butchering this. But somebody stuck up for him. So, no, it's a cool, trendy thing that people are doing now. He's actually really hip. He's not a bum. And then they let him stay. Uh, As a wrestler, yeah, Pat McAfee, his program with Adam Cole was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And on commentary, yeah, no, I think he's he's lights out. I think he's great. Freaking out over Nakamura and Boogs and fucking air guitaring, standing up at the commentary table when they make their entrance that's just fun yeah i think he brings a a liveliness to the commentary table that hasn't been there and and i don't think he's a great commentator uh from a play-by-play perspective but he's uh he brings that that life to the situation. I also believe Michael Cole has made comments about how he's reinvigorated Michael Cole's passion for commentary because Cole is excited working with him and with the vibe and energy that he brings. So, you know, anything that gets Michael Cole farther from autopilot, which we've been listening to for a better part of two <laughs> decades, I'm all for. I can't handle the oh my from Michael Cole. I cannot handle it. <laughs> Just pick your spots better, man. Uh, Jade Cargill push i think she's on that goes back to our wcw podcast with midnight you know how much i loved midnight uh yeah i'm pushing you love yourself a tall black woman oh she seems awesome great athlete hopefully she you know is you know ends up being a really really great wrestler as well but just from a not spectacle but just from an optics standpoint how is that person not impressive if she was holding the aew women's championship like that looks legitimate yeah, she's. Uh, I think she might be the future of that uh, women's division. And I think I think it was Kenny Omega who came in, out and said like this is one of the biggest gaps in AEW, and we're working to fix it. And I think you hang your hat on Jade Cargill. Yeah, I, I want to disagree, but I totally agree. I think this like again, wrestling isn't all about optics, but it is. Even you, you can get both of them together. Like that's what you roll the dice on. Like that's great if she has the talent, and then also has the optics. That's why wouldn't you want to invest in that? Shotzi Blackheart. Oh, 100% push. I'm also going to go with push. It's, she will murder herself for my entertainment. Yeah. I don't want her to hurt herself, but she will go with all hands to do it. <laughs> there's also a lot of silliness to it that I actually find endearing. Yeah. With her yeah. in her little fucking tank and shooting her little missiles at people. I feel <laughs> like I should hate this, but no, it, it makes it's me fun. smile. It's like the poor man's Baron Corbin thing that we were talking about on episode one. Oh. I, I just, I'm sorry, I can't help but get swept up in this. <laughs> Yep, now, now, do you keep her uh, with? Uh, oh my gosh, her name is escaping me. I guess that I guess the answer is no. Then, etc. <laughs> <laughs> did not make a. I, do you know what? I love Tegan Knox. That's the name I'm coming up with. I love her as a wrestler, and I couldn't come up with her name. Uh, do you keep her with Tegan Knox? Which it seemed like a movement up to the main roster for Tegan Knox wasn't going to happen unless it came with Shotzi Blackheart, but the pairing seems odd to me um like i felt that uh shotzi and and ember moon made sense but bringing tegan Knox and shotzi blackheart up together doesn't make sense in the same way 
But I do wonder if that's one of the things that we're talking about with the NXT development uh, being was it what it is. Maybe they just didn't know what else to do with Tegan Knox. Yeah, I really like Ember Moon, and I like that pairing a lot. And I don't think Ember Moon's ever really gotten a fair shake in WWE or even really NXT for that matter. She got her big return vignettes with uh, the the motorbike and everything, but aside from that. I don't think she's ever really done a whole ton, and that's been disappointing to watch because I do like her. And she's got, I still maintain, one of the best freaking finishers in all of wrestling. Well, funny you should mention it, because that's next on my push and bury list, would be someone else using the Eclipse as a finisher. Maybe even a male wrestler. I'm, I'm going to go back just to talk about thing. If I'm in WWE, I think one of my least favorite things, I'd be if I was told, hey man, you've been off on the shelf for a while, we're going to bring you back. We got like three, four return vignettes for you. I would run away screaming. Return vignettes are the touch of death. I don't think you ever want to be part of them. <laughs> They're like, that is nothing good to happen from that. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I, I'd be scared of that. Uh, use another finisher. That's always kind of a weird spot to be in. Um, I mean, I, I tend to not like that when it's so close to someone else who's been using it, but it's also like, end of the day, it's also that's just a move. Like, you know, like even like... It depends on how I guess how big the move is. Like right now, like Kevin Owens using the stunner, like that still feels weird because that's probably yeah. one of the biggest moves. I don't like it. I wanted to like it, but I don't. Like I still feel like that's like I don't want that being touched. But I don't think uh, Ember Moon's finisher is like on the same level. I don't think that's the thing where it's as protected. So I don't think it's as big of a deal. To yeah, me. I'm still disappointed that Owens isn't using the package pile driver because that's something that's like uniquely him, but also the way he does it, insanely safe but also devastating, and I loved him using the package pile driver. I never liked the pop-up powerbomb, uh, and him using the stunner, you're right, it is weird. As far as the Eclipse goes, uh, in uh, in 2K19, uh, I gave that to my Will Ospreay uh, creator wrestler. I think it really, really fits well there. Um, yeah, I think eventually you can give that to somebody else, but I'd much rather see Ember Moon go to, you know, get over a bit and win some titles with, with using that move. Uh, all right, last one that uh, we can stick with today is uh, AEW taking over, quote-unquote, PWG in their most recent show uh, at the Globe Theater in L.A. Uh, a lot of AEW wrestlers, including Malachi Black, showed up for the PWG show. Um, are they taking over the indies? There's been no real significant benefit to any of these other things they've done takeovers or crossovers with um, that has made them look good. The impact thing raised a lot of eyebrows and a lot of people were really interested in what this you know, partnership is going to look like. It sent shockwaves through the wrestling world. But since then, it's been AEW basically getting all of the benefit, really, and impact hasn't come out of that looking good at all. Yeah, it's very much along the lines of it feels like like when Mike's talking about the Cody Rhodes thing, we're like, who's getting over in this situation? And it's a lot of like bad NWO vibes for me, where it's like there's too much of it. And I'm like, I don't want the bad NWO. I want the good where like you guys have like a bit of a back and forth and make it benefits for everyone. And it's at some level, maybe I don't know the the financial backings. Maybe it does help the indie to some level, but it definitely feels like AW is using them a bit more for their benefit than the other way around. Yeah, like uh, to your point, Bo, I have no, I, despite the crossovers, I have only tuned in to Impact recently to watch LP. Um, other than that, I have not watched anything other than AEW, despite the fact that the AEW wrestlers have been on Impact. And if they're going to go into the indies like this, I get it. Give them the kind of the rub, give them, put them in the news a little bit. I'm sure there's going to be further crossover with uh, other promotions but um i would rather them just kind of stick to their own turf maybe that's just me oh it ain't just you 
Um, all right, so thank you for another excellent week of Pusher Barry. Uh, Mr. Horowitz, you can exit stage left, and don't forget to take uh, that mysterious bag with you. Uh, now we will go to our next segment, which is This Week in Wrestling History. What we're going to do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. All right, so this week in wrestling history, quite a few things to choose from, but one thing rose head and shoulders above the rest. Maybe the biggest mainstream media crossover in wrestling history, including the rock and wrestling era. It was August 8th, 1998, Sturgis, South Dakota, WCW Road Wild, Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff representing the NWO versus DDP and Jay Leno with Kevin Eubanks representing the Tonight Show in a tag match for the absolute ages. Paris, do you remember watching this thing? Do I ever. <laughs> this this was in my heyday of both of these things because I would stay up every night till 11.35 and watch at least the first segment of Jay Leno's Tonight Show uh, until I fell asleep to the dulcet tones of, of Jay and his guests. Uh, and then when they had this crossover, oh, I was staying up right till 1235. I was seeing the end of this. I was seeing right through the musical guest just in case anything else happened. And this was the crossover event for my uh, 13-year-old self. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. I understand celebrities <laughs> and how it works. Well, I, it's okay if you didn't like this. Yeah, it's one of the things where, like, you look back at it, and now it's like Jay Leno and Kevin Eubanks. But at the time, they were popular. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Jay did bland jokes. They were fun, I guess. Um, but you look at, like, just even the earlier days of WWE when they brought, like, oh, Cindy Lauper, all this stuff. Like, the crossover has always been there, and it does work. Like, I'm not going to say, like, how dare you have celebrities. Um, there's just a certain level of cool celebrities that will get me on board. Like, Dennis Robin, cool. I get that. That's that's fun. Yeah. Um, I'm into that. Uh, Kevin Eubanks, no. <laughs> Jay Leno, no. <laughs> Sir, how dare you? Oh, you've got the, a big chin. Oh, that's great. You're doing... Okay, I get it. Okay. The Diamond Cutter. If anybody doesn't remember the match, uh, you can find it very easily on YouTube. Uh, there's a nice four uh, truncated four and a half minute clip of it. Uh, Jay Leno with that, with that arm ringer of death. That arm bar <laughs> on Hulk Hogan as... One of the most important professional wrestlers, most successful uh, professional wrestlers of all time, sells this armbar from Jay Leno. As obviously, you see all the flash bulbs going off. That picture was on the front page of fucking like every newspaper and every internet site uh, the day after. Um, and then, of course, the finish where there being a lot of shenanigans going on in the ring. And then Kevin Eubanks slides in, hits Bischoff with the diamond cutter. Leno gets the pin. One, two, three, and that's ball game. So he does this arm ringer when he first gets tagged in, and, and Hogan sells gloriously. And then Hogan eventually gets some offense in and gets him in the corner and knees him in the gut, and he gets out. DDP and Hulk go for a while. Jay gets tagged back in, right back into the arm ringer, baby. Let's go back to the well, see what works. Funny, if you look at the video, you can actually see, in like I think it's third maybe fourth row, uh, you see Honky Tonk Man. And when he puts that armor on, like you see him going, we're not there yet, when he sees Hogan selling it. Like he's not. He's, <laughs> he's trying to get a chant going, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. 
It's weird, but it happened, I swear. <laughs> I uh, did a little bit of research here, and uh, Eric Bischoff had this to say about the situation and the negotiations to do it on his 83 Weeks podcast. Quote, I said to Jay, would you wrestle? And he goes, yeah, I'll wrestle. So I said, let me go back home and think about this for a day or two and come up with an idea that would make sense. But let me come up with something different that would really get the ball rolling because we didn't have a lot of time. This was 1st of July, and the pay-per-view was August 8th, so it's not like we had weeks and weeks to figure this out. So I go home and think about it and go, what if Hulk Hogan and I take over The Tonight Show? What if we take Jay Leno uh, and Kevin Eubanks, the guy that had the band, what if we throw them off the set? And what if we do it like the NWO where it feels real and believable? There's no comedy. Nobody's going to laugh. This is the exact opposite of what anybody watching The Tonight Show would ever expect. I thought if I could sell that to Jay Leno, I could sell anything. I'm talking about throwing the host of the most watched, most successful shows in history of television off his set and take over his desk. I went back to L.A. and Jay went, that's awesome. We can make this work. We could have an entire podcast series dedicated to Hulk Hogan in the NWO and like where he fits. And for me, like, in a, like if we're selling this as an actual story in like terms of making it feel real and that stuff, like... I would have killed for it to be Scott Hall and Kevin Nash because oh. they had they had authenticity to them. They did like they kind of look like and Hulk Hogan. There's always a bit of camp to him. There always will be. So and it worked. Like Jay Leno was camp too. So that was fine. Not against it. But like in terms of like if you wanted to make a statement of having guys show up and like make it feel real, it would have been Scott Hall and Kevin Nash to me. Like just them being the force. Absolutely. Also, you have to think about like the crossover. You're you're watching the Tonight Show. You are a 43 year old man. You know, you and your wife are about to knock some boots. Uh, while Jay Leno's in the background doing his comedy. And then all of a sudden you're watching it. Oh, they're going to do headlines. Oh, they're going to do jaywalking or whatever. And then here comes Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff from Nitro, as I'm sure they're equally familiar, uh, doing crossover. Like, who was that for? There is Me. Not, there is not not crossover. It's Mike Ferris is who it's for. But the crossover of Tonight Show fans yeah. and hardcore pro wrestling fans, that's what made the whole thing super confusing to me. I was that entire event diagram. <laughs> like the people that did crossover probably like just remember Hulk as like Hulk Hogan. Like what happened to Hulk? <laughs> yeah, Hulk Eve looking rough. Is that a spray painted on beard? Jesus. You should have had that sushi, brother. What's going on? They should have gone the full bore with it and they should have done head NWO headlines or NWO oh. jaywalking. Where they just beat people up in the street? Yeah, oh. they're asking people questions in the street and just insulting them. That would have been great if they went the full, that would have been the full nine yeah. with it. Yeah. Any other final thoughts on uh, WCW Road Wild and Jay Leno, professional wrestler? Well, so I don't think it was an entirely embarrassing situation, but can you guys think, what, what's your, what's the best, what's the best uh, celebrity pro wrestler crossover situation? Hmm, tough to say. Why do you have anything off the top of your head? Uh, a couple that were fun that were done in the way that wasn't like overusing them. To, uh, uh, so Drew Carey in the Rumble, I think was ah. well done. That was, that was fun. I like that. Pete Rose getting tombstone, that was fun. I liked as well. Uh, and the last one I'm going to throw, throw down for, uh, Bob Barker. Yeah. I actually, the, of all the, it should have worked, <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> Guest host of Raw. Drew Carey offering Kane money not to kick his ass <laughs> yes. in the Royal yes. Rumble is an amazing, <laughs> spot. incredible spot. And also, hell of an athlete to get over the, t- that's what I would have been super nervous about if I'm Drew Carey. Like, oh, can we do a thing where if I go under the rope, uh, it counts as elimination? 
No, man. It's the Royal Rumble. you got to go over the top rope. You watch him go over the top rope in that Rumble, how nimble and how also careful he is and how safe. Oh, heart skipped a beat. I'm going to go with uh, Stephen Amell. I thought Stephen Amell was really good. Here's a guy who loves wrestling, and basically I feel like his fame, his career trajectory, was just to get famous enough where he gets to do a crossover with wrestling. Because here's a guy who obviously loves it and obviously cares. Uh, also, I know it caused a lot of you know waves earlier on this year. Uh, Bad Bunny surprised the hell out of everybody. Yeah, I thought between between Bad Bunny and Pat McAfee in that uh, short time frame there was some some uh, celebrities who who made a name for themselves uh, in the wrestling ring and I, I actually thought both of them were really good i don't know if i'd go with the greatest ever but uh maybe david arquette is he the greatest ever as far well, as success goes, goes. Yeah. <laughs> well gronk was also a champion so it's really hard to say <laughs> i think the thing we're looking at here is the ones that are great versus the ones that are not the ones that are great are the ones who actually legitimately care about the wrestling business and have that investment into it as opposed to others who are just there like you know the weekend update guys at wrestlemania just there to you know goof around and you know get a crossover paycheck or whatever summerfest so, summerfest Summer oh jeremy piven and ken <laughs> Jong, Summerfest. I'll ban you from the Summerfest. Still to this day, I can't refer to it solely as SummerSlam. I can't help but reference it as Summerfest. Uh, we're that's it for this week in wrestling history. Before we go though, why you got yourself a little uh, you got a trivia challenge, don't you? Yeah, we're gonna do segments and kind of evolve the show as we go along. And one of the things I like to do is always uh, quiz Bowman. And now that we've got Paris here. I've got you know head to head here. So I want to do a little quiz for you boys if you're up for it. Quiz I mean, you have no choice. Don't don't even answer. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, random questions, Mr. Bowman. The question starts off with "Ring the bell." Who was the first entrance? Uh, first entrant in the very first Royal Rumble in 1988. I'm gonna go with um, Harley Race. Correct answer was uh, Bret Hart. Ah. Uh, Mike Paris. Uh, who yes. ended the Undertaker's undefeated WrestleMania streak? <laughs> I hate this well. already. Immediately. <laughs> I hate this. Um, I'm going to go with Brock Lesnar. Okay. That is correct. Uh, nice. Mr. Bowman, what veteran star did commentator Gorilla Monsoon refer to as a youngster during the 1993 main event? During a 1993, which 1993 main event? This is all the question says. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, Just going off the card. I'm going to go with Bob Backlund or Carlos Colon. Carlos Colon. That's my answer. You are correct. Because it was the Royal Rumble. It was the Royal Rumble. He called Carlos, Carlos Colon, Carlito's dad, a youngster. Boom. Count it. Well wow. done. Um, uh, Mr. Paris. Yes. Uh, it's a picture question. So it says, what is the name of this wrestler? And it's a picture of Bailey. So who is? what is the name of this wrestler? <laughs> How the fuck is that legal? <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Bailey. That is correct, sir. Well done. Well done. <laughs> nice. That was a tough one. Mr. Bowman. <laughs> Yep. Where did Vince McMahon's corporation jump Steve Austin as the 1999 Rumble unfolded? Oh, it was in the bathroom. Correct. In the toilet, as it says. Well done. Paris, you got to keep I'm the lead here. I'm still going to lose. <laughs> what is the name of John Cena's finisher? Uh, well, I feel like he has a submission finisher. Anyway, uh, it was formerly one. the FU, and now it's yep. the attitude adjustment. Well done, sir. Uh, Mr. Bowman, are you ready for your next question? Of course I am. Uh, the 1990 show of the Rumble marked Dusty Rhodes' only Rumble outing. 
But which star was he not responsible for throwing out of the match? Was it Bret Hart, Randy Savage, or Big Boss Man? The 1990 Rumble? Yes, sir. Bret Hart. Big Boss Man, sir. Come on, Bowman. Everyone knows that. That's a bit embarrassing. We're a wrestling podcast. You're dropping the ball on these easy questions. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Another, another couple here. Yeah. Uh, Paris. I'll try to do better. To what does WWE stand for? Oof. Um, I want to say the first word is world. Yep, we're getting there. I'll give you the um, second one because it's hard. Wrestling. <laughs> so to finish the last one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, entertainment? Well done, sir. Well done. Okay, cool. I'm sweating a bit over here with that one. Mr. Bowman. Yeah. <laughs> Still here. Which, which Japanese wrestler was the first victim to ever take a trip over courtesy of Tafka Hunter Hearst Helmsley? That is the question. You're going to need to repeat that question because there's a couple words in there that I don't, I don't think I heard properly. <laughs> which Japanese wrestler was the first victim to ever take a trip over courtesy of Tapka Hunter Hurselsley. Tapka Hunter What are you talking about? <laughs> if it helps, it's all capitals. T-A-F-K. Uh, Hakushi. So close. Tako Amori. <laughs> but Hakushi was one of the options. You're getting there. You're getting there. <laughs> there were options. You could have been a coward. Yeah, no, I'm not giving those options. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Paris, yep. who did Sting face in his first and only WrestleMania match? I hate this. <laughs> I'm not sure I know this one. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Can I steal? Um, hold on, hold on. Uh, Triple H. Correct, sir. Thank you. Two more here. Uh, okay. Bowman. Mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels kicked off a short winning streak in '95 with back-to-back Royal Rumble triumphs. He eliminated eight stars from the match, but who was not eliminated by the Heartbreak Kid? Was it British Bulldog, Dick Murdoch, Lex Luger? Lex Luger. Dick Murdoch, sir. Oh, come on. Boom. Are you even trying? Like, you're making us look... Fine. Okay. One more question each. It's fine. Uh, Mr. Paris. Yes. It's another picture question. It's, what is the name of this wrestler? Yeah. And guy with the guitar. uh, Name is Elias. Who is it? Oh. I was going to say Big Boss. (laughs) (laughs) Big Boss. Honky Talk Man. I was going to say Honky Talk Man. Uh, I'm going to go with Elias. Is it Elias? Correct, sir. Was Honky Tonk Man one of the options? Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> Mr. Bowman. Yeah, man. <laughs> Are you ready for the last question? Sure. Who no-showed in 1998? Who no-showed what? <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Not the warrior. Although that was when he had his feud with Hogan in WCW. Uh, yeah, screw it. He's famous for doing so. I'm just going to go with the Ultimate Warrior. Or sorry, the Warrior. Because he was an Ultimate Warrior in WCW. And that's a technicality that you would kill me on. The Warrior. Okay, so you're incorrect. But what if I gave you a bit of a memory of, like, Kane was in a bad mood. And Kane was taking things out in people. Nope, not doing it. Okay. Unfortunately, Skull didn't make it. Skull did not make it to the Rumble. <laughs> I would have said eight balls. That's the thing. If I, had, if I had to guess one bald member of the Disciples of Apocalypse, I would have gone with eight ball. So deep okay. pull with Skull. Good job, yeah. you maniacal bastard. Well done, my parents. You've been on fire the entire oh, episode. Thank Bowman, you. you got to get some more work done. You tried, though. 
All right, and that wraps up, uh, that closes the book on another episode of NEW Wrestle Nation. Um, Paris, any final thoughts? Uh, no, looking forward to, to September 11th, and I'm sure we'll uh, talk about it. It'll be my 36th birthday and uh, a day for wrestling celebrations. Wyatt, any final thoughts? Um, again, looking forward to it all starting. I'm looking forward to getting a couple of the wrestlers on the podcast. If you guys want to see, you know, hear anyone on the podcast, give a shout out to us as well. Let us know. And uh, yeah, because we're a podcast that talks wrestling. We also want to involve everyone who listens in. So yeah, always give us the feedback. We love it. All right. Thank you all for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at N-E-W WrestlePod. And be sure to also follow the Nation Extreme Wrestling account at N-E-W Wrestling Inc. for information on all the upcoming shows and happenings with Nation Extreme Wrestling. For Mike Paris, why? Aren't. I'm Jay Bowman. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time on Wrestle Nation. Oh, yeah!